Welcome to CISO's Insiders Podcast, powered by GRC Consulting. In this podcast, we'll be interviewing leading CISOs and security leaders in the industry for light, eye-level conversations. Here, they share advice and tips, talk about their biggest accomplishments and failures, favorite drinks, key influencers, and much more. We encourage you to walk away with at least one insight that will help you better yourself or your business. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more content, please check us out on social media. Welcome, everybody. Today I'm speaking with uh, Zlatko Unger again. Uh, Zlatko goes by the name Z for the most part, and uh, we'll be doing a deep dive today and talking more about the role of the CISO. Uh, Z, did you want to jump in and just remind everybody who you are? Hi, everybody. My name is Lock Unger, go by Z. Uh, I've been in the security compliance game for the last 15 years. And most recently, uh, I've been the head of security and privacy at a small startup in the Bay Area. Nice, thank you. And since we've already done the, the usual icebreakers uh, last time around, let me ask you a couple of new ones. Uh, what's, your one, uh, what's your number one tip for combating distractions while working at home, from home? Oh, that's that's a good one. Um, I, I think there's a, a balance between uh, knowing where you need to take a break, a bio break, or you know just a walk or what have you, in order to clear your mind. And if you're back to back to back meetings, you have to set up you know little breaks for yourself that you know that you need to stretch. Uh, you know, for example, I sometimes sit. I, I'm standing up right now. Um, you know, go outside, go for a walk. You know, around the block or whatever. Get get your um, you know think about the problems that you encountered on the day um, and and take a break that way. But at the same time, making sure that you have soundproofing, that you have a good microphone, uh, that you know where your roommates or uh, family members are and what chaos they're going to ensue around you, and know that sometimes you might have to leave your home office in order to let them do whatever they need to do. Um, I have a five year old at home and. Uh, uh, he he likes to do dance parties uh, on, on top of my office sometimes. So I, I know when I need to take a meeting from from the car, for example. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, you know, uh, at the beginning when I started recording this podcast, that working from home thing really got in the way because of, you know, the, the, the same similar reasons to what you just mentioned. You know, sometimes my kid would just go come home from school and just started screaming and running and screaming and, you know, banging on walls and whatnot. And it all, always happened when I was recording a podcast. So, yeah. You know, let's dive right in and talk a bit more about uh, the role of the CISO in an organization. And this is going to be slightly different than the usual podcast that we record here. So, um just, you know, f- just f- for those people out there who might be new to the topic, uh, let's define uh, specifically what's the difference, in your opinion, between the role of the CISO and the CIO or the head of IT? So I think that there, there's a, you know, two different roles, and sometimes they there's a great overlap between the two. Sometimes they're two distinguished individuals within an organization, depending on the size of the organization what the business is and other factors uh, such as growth, uh, evolution and of the company and so on and so forth. But I would say the, the CISO is, you know, it's in the name, it's re- responsibility of securing the information where the CIO is responsible for the IT aspects of the organization. Now you can argue that the CISO can have IT under him or her 
And likewise, you can say the CIO is higher up in the organization where security is one of their many things that they're responsible for, including IT. Um, the reporting structure um, is very similar, right? You would think that both would be reporting to the CEO, but I would say the CISO is a little bit more aligned to having some stake with the board of directors, given that security should be a very hot topic for the individuals that are comprise, uh, compo uh, composing the board. Um, in terms of um, skills, I would say that it's the, the CISO is more responsible for that, that risk management and, and finding a balance of getting stuff done while lowering the security risk, whereas the CIO is more responsible for enabling everybody to do the work that they need to do with the devices and software that is available. And security and compliance might be built into that, that hardware and that software, but at the end of the day, it's more, the focus is on enablement and automation and getting people, you know, to be efficient, where the CISO would be the one to make sure that the, the, the rails stay in place um, to, to keep everybody safe. And I would say that both share the need of, you know, uh, project management, budgeting, uh, talent retention. However, the CISO, I would say, has a little bit more on his or her plate because they're responsible for uh, data breaches, malware, cyber attacks, um, compliance, uh, customers, uh, customers, partners, vendors, and everybody else's uh, needs. Uh, so the stakes a little bit higher with the CISO and I would say the headaches increase by uh, by a huge magnitude because of that. Mm -hmm. And in your opinion, why why is there a typically or sometimes a friction between these two roles? Right. So it, it when you have a a small company that evolves or um, you know it goes from a startup to mid, mid sized startup to an actual enterprise and either is is private or or, or IPOs or what have you, the evolution of the company. Uh, puts a need for IT first and security second, right? Because when you start uh, small and uh, trying to be nimble, you're going to find somebody who's going to run IT because your staff needs laptops, your staff needs an SSO, your staff needs ability to use whatever, you know, Google or Microsoft or what have you, you need somebody to administrate it. Then when you get to a point where the board or a customer says, hey, what about that whole comp uh, compliance and security uh, gap that you have, uh, you know, then some a CISO or a security person is hired later on. And as those two roles evolve and move up, um, the, the IT role is usually, the, you know, it's the first one. So there's a contention because you have somebody who, who is now telling IT how to do things. How do we deploy our uh, workplace, you know, securely? How do we deploy our laptops? How do we deploy all of the different agents, antivirus, DLP, and so on and so forth? And now there's a contention because IT is just trying to do enablement, trying to do their, you know, the best they can to enable the uh, users, but security is coming in and trying to police them. And there's a bit of a head-to-head uh, -head that comes between the two leaders of those two organizations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, let's address the elephant in the room because we're, we keep talking about uh, CISOs moving into a more business-related role, right? Mm -hmm. The closer you move to the business, the far away you get, the far you get away from, you know, the technology and the know-how of how to do things. Now, a CIO might claim, and I believe some of them do claim, that they can't be told how to implement something or how to do something in their own realm 
by a, you know functioning organization that doesn't have that skill set and doesn't have the same level of expertise in a specific domain any thoughts on that yeah i i think that it depends on where the the cio and ciso are coming from and what industries and what what they have been dealt with in their past that keeps them that prevents them from seeing each other from their 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 shoes right so if somebody's coming you know if a CISO is coming from a very hardened very um regulated industry and coming into a place that is not as regulated they might want to police all the things and implement all the controls whereas those are the risk is not really mitigated because the exposure is low likewise a CIO is coming from a place that is very bureaucratic very uh cost focus on cost and um, simplified, they might be very stringent in the way that they're spending and not take advantage of being being able to be nimble and use all of the different players in the technology to uh, get enable and get stuff done. So I would say that opening, you know, understanding what industry you are in, doing the best for, for both roles of understanding what are the new players, what are the new technologies and how they can be implemented and then either hiring or utilizing additional resources to implement those new technologies in order to be more efficient. Um, since, you know, if you're coming from, um, I would say for both roles, if you, you constantly have to say, okay, this has worked in my past role, will it work here? Or can I do this faster, cheaper, better? by utilizing a new player, um, a different startup or, or so on, uh, in order to be more efficient. Okay. And you mentioned before that, um, you know, CISOs should have a seat at the board, right? Uh, they should be reporting to the board, maybe to the CEO. Uh, why should, you know, CEOs and board of directors be interested in having direct reporting from a CISO, in your opinion? Well, I, I, I believe that the board should be aware of all of the all the skeletons that are being hidden in the closet, all of the things that are swept under the rug, because in most of the board meetings that I've been, you know, I read the notes, I, I, I've been a fly on the wall uh, and, and participated in myself, there's a, a lot of the focus is put on the financial aspects of the company. There's also updates about, you know, product, you know, where, what, what every different function is doing. But if you ignore security and you start building on top of a crumbling foundation and nobody's able to say, hey, board, we should really invest into these, these aspects. And if there's nobody that is fighting the fight for security in that in that room, then you're the company's doing itself at disadvantage because the CISO is doing all the fighting for the budget, but nobody um, it's it's gonna be much harder to pull the 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 bigger buckets of, of money to invest into enterprise level software that will leapfrog whatever is currently in place or get the company to you know the next level so it can compete in the the, the broader uh, category where the company is going. Mm -hmm. And uh, in your opinion, in organizations where CISOs do not report uh, directly to the board or do not um, are not visible to the board, basically. What elements is the board or the CEO, what are they missing in your opinion? I think there is a bit of a disconnect in terms of all of the different projects and work that is happening behind the scenes. 
from somebody who is focused on running the company and running a big function, they, if it's, you know, out of sight, out of mind, but not, there's an assumption that things are working well, that things are being done, but the volume of work and the, the spending of money on tools, resources, consultants, and everything else, it doesn't really come across. And there's no visibility about the broader, you know, multi, um, quarter, multi-year timeline and project timeline that the, the either the IT or the security organization is working on. And by missing out on all of the little projects that make that enable the company to go faster, to be more automated, those wins are lost. But at the same time, you you would you would want to have some champion to kind of highlight some of those. But if you don't have a champion, then all of the hard work is basically I don't want to say lost because the company is operating in a much more efficient manner, but at the same time, it's not getting highlighted and not getting the recognition that the the, the members of the team that worked on those projects um, deserve because you know they they went above and beyond. So, in your opinion, you know, when when considering IT and cybersecurity, who are the stakeholders that should be involved with running these two um, you know major domains? Mm-hmm. So I would say from an IT perspective, there needs to be some way to collect feedback from everybody around the company as to what's what's working well, what's not working well, where 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 the friction points are in the different processes. So that way a project can be created in order to fix those and run the organization smoothly. At the same time, there needs to be input from the executive staff about how they're utilizing technology, where they are limited, because the faster they can go the more efficient and effective the company can be. Likewise, on the security front, you would want to have feedback from everybody, ability to create security champions within an organization so that way you can have uh, a bi-directional way of collecting feedback but also pushing feedback and, and testing out ideas as you're implementing change because those uh, make us a, a much more significant impact than, you know, hey, we're gonna offer you know, Logitech mice instead of, you know, uh, magic mice from Apple. You know, the, 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 you don't need a, a huge opinion uh, and feedback for that, but you might have an opinion if you say, hey, we're going to implement a network DLP service that is going to affect everybody. And, you know, we're going to know when you're watching Netflix at work. Not to say that that's a thing to do, but there's a difference of how technology affects the individual. And um, having a security council is also a different way to to get that additional feedback from the leaders as well as being able to push down as to why certain projects are happening. Now, that is to say, what are the, the dotted lines for IT? I would say executives and everybody else um, sort of equally for, for their feedback, but for security, close alignment to HR, legal, product, security, and to some extent, sales and getting their input because those are the stakeholders who's uh, secure, who are affected by the overall security processes, the controls that the customers or the auditors need and their considerations need to be taken effect as rollout happens. So I would say the security side of the equation needs to have a lot more bi-directional feedback in order to be effective, whereas IT can just exist and course correct as needed uh, because it's not, um, uh, creating big splashes in, in, in this whole analogy.
Yeah, and I think we're seeing it more and more nowadays that uh, more and more organizations are realizing that uh, cybersecurity and compliance and, and and everything related to that, it is not uh, you know an IT problem anymore, and it's not just a cybersecurity problem anymore, uh, as you just mentioned. In order to be successful and supporting the business and you know keeping yourself protected, uh, this has to be uh, an across the board. Uh, item to be discussed on uh you know an ongoing basis whether it's monthly weekly annually semi-annually or not uh and yeah and uh and in your opinion why why is it so i think we've answered that question or maybe we alluded to an answer here but so the just to you know to outline that and to provide some context previously you know CISOs were usually reporting under an IT function such as the CIO and we've, mm -hmm. we've uh, uncovered and discussed a bit about the friction between these two roles and why it shouldn't be that way uh, but in your opinion in this current age and in 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 an and in the current environments that we operate out of why is why, when the CISO is still reporting to the CIO, why is that not effective anymore? I would say that it, it wouldn't be effective if the CIO is not well-versed in the security needs and is not an equal partner in highlighting and escalating the, the needs of the security organization. If the relationship is that more passive, uh, that allows the um the CISO to to not be heard, then it becomes contentious because you don't have somebody who's gonna fight for your for the security needs at that executive level, right? So budget becomes an issue because you know the IT budget is already big because of all of the dependency uh, dependencies of different SaaS services. You know, the hardware is expensive. It's a lot. And when security comes in and asks, you know, for additional funds for a tool to enhance the security nature of the organization, the, the CIO might say, well, I need to buy new laptops, I need to buy new TVs, new Zoom rooms, new what, what have you. I don't have, you know, I'm going to say no, you know, keep, keep things as is. And there might be a blocker on the, on the budget front. Um, so I would say that the better the relationship, I think the reporting structure is fine. However, if the security organization is not effective because of the, the blockage that the CIO is creating, then the organization should reevaluate where the security function sits. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I think uh, to... To dig, to dip a bit, uh, to dig a bit deeper here with your example, uh, do you think a CIO should ha still have veto power over CISO's decisions in those cases where CISO is reporting? I mean, in the in the cases where CISO is actually reporting to a CIO, as you yeah. mentioned, you know, laptops might come first, you know, before protection, and then those decisions will get vetoed over without the board or the the leadership ever being aware of those. And uh, do you have any specific thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I would say that the bigger security decisions that affect the entirety of the organization should be left with the security committee, security council, or whatever uh, body is there whose, whose presence uh, you know, approves such big changes. But at the same time, the IT leader 
or the CIO should be a part of that group, have the ability to vote one way or the other, and then be be able to pave the ground for the security function to get whatever they need in order to um, establish what was agreed upon in that uh, council meeting. At the same time, if the you were talking about the veto power, I would say that if the security council feels that certain technology or certain hires need to happen, it is the responsibility of the CIO to say, yep, got it, everybody has voted on this. I said, I'm against it. However, you know, uh, there, there's more yays than nays. I have to do this in order to enable the function. Mm-hmm. However, you can see that the CIO can create delays, cannot might not be effective in communicating the need to the finance organization in order to get the fun- funding. So they can slow things down, but it's very hard for the security team if they're buried under to you know bypass and go directly to the rest of the executives or the CEO in order to get get the the funding, the need, the approval, perhaps the OKR um, in order to move the ball collectively and make it you know a company level objective. Um, so I think it's it's a little difficult because politics come into play, and um, it's I would say that it depends on who the CIO and how they feel about that need and you know how well they work with with others to be uh, efficient and effective in that place. Mm-hmm. And you know, recently I um, I went to an article. Um, that's uh, an article by Bob Zuckis that said uh, that illustrated that the SEC is about to force users into the into the boardrooms in America, and basically the proposal is that uh, the SEC proposed recently new rules that would require U.S. public companies, uh, you know, disclosure of corporate directors with cybersecurity expertise, and basically, um, you know, they forced they would force them to to hire a CISO. Uh, mm-hmm. In your opinion. How would that change the, the 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 ecosystem that we're familiar with? Yeah, so there has been a bit of a shift in the last um, decade or so where different companies, bigger companies, would not have a secure a CISO in place. Instead, they would distribute the security needs across the organization or uh, have a security, an experienced security person in different parts of the org. Uh, in order to get the security needs from each different um, um, pillar of the organization. For a public company, I think forcing somebody, you know, if it's if it's a requirement that SEC puts on, there's going to be a lot of, you know, lip service and a lot of uh, hiring somebody for the sake of hiring them for sake of compliance without actually giving them the ability to influence changes and and, and put the, the necessary... Um, word out to the board um, in order to, to, you know, make the board aware of all the security happenings. But at the same time, the companies that are going to be most efficient and effective are the ones that are going to be able to air out their laundry in the boardroom from a security perspective. And they're going to be more effective to know what is actually, you know, hidden away and what crumbling infrastructure there might be um, happening behind the scenes that the executives are maybe not talking about, I wouldn't say hiding, but are not alluding to or putting enough pressure to solve in the the short term. Mm -hmm. And in your opinion, what made the SEC come up with this rule? I I think that the sort of the the move away from having a centralized security function and the ever-evolving world of cybersecurity is 
by not having somebody who has the pulse on what's happening outside of outside in the world, what all of the different attacks, all of the different technologies, all the ways that uh, fraud and cyber attacks happen um, creates a disconnect. And if your mindset is, you know, we're worried about malware, there's so many other things to be worried about, different threat vectors and um, different ways of exploitation. And by not having a pulse on that, the company is missing out and is ripe for an attack. Um, you know, they're a public company. That means that they have a good bit of money behind the scenes. And if they don't have a security function, you know, somebody might take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, going on about uh, the, the role of the CISO as it relates to communication with the board or, or the CEO of the company, according to a recent study, uh, just 7% out of security leaders report directly to the CEO. And, um, and more than that, 60% of the responders um, say, said that, um, um, where was it? 63% of respondents said that they are not regularly briefing the board of directors on risks, like those that come with remote work, even among those who report uh, to the board. 41% say these briefings only occur after a security problem. And so we're, we're, we're talking a, a lot about, you know, the role of the CISO and the need of uh, them to be a part of the board or a part of leadership or to at the very least report to the board, but we're still seeing these numbers. What would it take to change this in, in your opinion and, and any, you know, again, this is an open conversation. So any thoughts? Yeah, yeah I, I, if you put yourself in a CEO's shoes, they're worried about a plethora of things, right? The, the, the funding, the runway, um, you know, helping uh, sell, helping retain customers and, you know, amplifying the, the energy, the culture of the organization to keep everybody marching on towards whatever the, the next goal is um, and what have you. Um, if security, you know, security is usually out of sight, out of mind. I mentioned that earlier because unless there's a problem, there's an assumption that things are happening behind the scenes to keep the problems away. But some, the, the security game is, you know, management of risk. And if you're not able to speak to the risk to the CEO, you can, you're, you have to allow somebody else to speak on your behalf and they might not have the nuances, the expertise. Uh, at the same time, the CISO themselves might not have the ability to quickly speak to the point, you know, if we don't do X, Y will happen. And what I've noticed um, a lot is that, you know, CEOs have, they don't have much free time for these conversations. So having, they would have to be open to that conversation to begin with before they even consider having somebody else report to them because they already have 10 plus individuals that are responsible for different parts of the organization reporting to them. And that means all the headaches that come with, you know, having 10 individuals report to you. Um, so, you know, perhaps, there needs to be an eye-opening event that, hey, let's let's see what this part of the organization is doing and get a deeper understanding instead of going through, you know, the the GC and then you know the CIO that reports to the GC for whatever reason in order to see what's what actually is happening behind the scenes in the security organization. Um, I would also say that um, the CISO re is responsible for pushing their agenda and needs upwards. So wherever they report to saying, hey, the, these are big things that we need to talk about. 
you know, submitting to the executive team, including the CEO, the annual security risk assessment. It's a simple way of, of capturing risk, but it also highlights, you know, some of the themes that the organization is experiencing. Um, submitting, um, you know, some of the wins that the, the organization ha uh, has had directly to them. So that way they're aware of, of those big wins and they don't get buried as a, you know, bullet point on an update slide. And just being a better advocate of the team and the function can go a long way before the CEO has the ability to say, okay, I've seen all the scary stuff in the risk report. I've seen all the great stuff the team has done. Okay, what, what else have you done? Give me an update. And then uh, have that relationship evolve over time. So once there's an opportunity to worry less about funding or worry less about customer retention, there could be more time focused on security. Although you would say that that might be a little bit way too late uh, in the timeline, but better late than never. So let's play a little game here. Let's say you're a chief information security officer at um, make up uh, at the made up organization, and you report to the you know director of IT or to, to the CIO of, of that company, and you strongly believe that you should be reporting to the CEO, and not just because of the prestige that goes along with that. Let's assume you don't really care about that. You really believe that that's the best approach. What? Uh, actions would you take or what would you do in order to uh, initiate or try to initiate that uh, shift in reporting structure? Ooh, that's a good question. So I would say, depending on what the relationship between myself and the CIO is, if it's a contentious relationship that we just don't get along, might warrant a, you know, a coffee break or, or, or uh, um, a, a light lunch, you know, a brown bag with the CEO to kind of talk about that relationship, how it's being worked on because you can't just give up, right? Um, but at the same time, leave the seed in, in their head that there might be efficiencies gained by moving the CISO function uh, as a direct report. If the relationship with the CIO is a lot better, I would, I would say that having a conversation saying, hey, I am not effective because of the reporting structure. I, I really would like your feedback on this. Gain their feedback and trust and then together present the idea to the CEO because ultimately it is his or her decision to, to make that org change and see the benefits and how the interaction of the two um, groups, the CIO and the CISO would still continue to work together, but where additional efficiencies can be gained by that reporting structure. Additionally, I would say that having opinions and knowing who influences the most change with the CEO is also helpful so you can leave the seat with those individuals and help them amplify your, your needs uh, from the sidelines. Mm -hmm. And and personally, I think, you know, maybe, just maybe, um, the CIO should, uh, I mean, the CIO should have some motivation to to support that change as well. Right. In your mm -hmm. opinion, do you see any motivations for uh, specific for, for any CIO out, out, out there to support such a change? Oh, definitely. I, having focusing more on enablement and, you know, focusing on more efficient ticket, uh, ticket approvals, more efficient workflows, more efficient, you know, network changes. If the CIO is responsible for that, uh, more time to an ability to work closer with different vendors in order to improve the existing relationship. It, it, 
the security function takes away from all of the things that make the CIO efficient, that would definitely see it as a gain because at the same time, the security organization is still going to tell your staff how to do things securely. The compliance team is going to tell you how to stay compliant and what controls you need to have. So none of that goes away. It's more of, you don't have to worry about the people management aspect, the budget headaches. And now you have a nice clear slice of your ownership and all the dotted lines across the org you have in order to be more efficient. I, I would say that the only thing that is being lost is that, you know, saying, hey, I have, you know, 50 people report to me, now I have 30, and, you know, my budget is 10 million, now it's, let's say, seven, uh, because the security moves yeah. that away. So you kind of lose some prestige, but I would say you become more efficient and more focused into your true nature and, and, to gain the, the efficiency and productivity of the organization as the CIO. Okay, thank you for that insight. Now, uh, we're almost at time here. So I just had one more question I wanted uh, to ask here. W can we try and debunk one common myth about cybersecurity from the perspective of the board of directors? Well, what, what would you say that, um, that is? Well, I mean, uh, in your opinion, what would be like what would be the perceived uh, myth that uh, a common board of directors out there would feel about cybersecurity? For example, you know, <laughs> hey, okay. we we have a CISO, uh, so we're good. Oh, we're in compliance, right. we're we're yeah, yeah. so we shouldn't have any problems. I mean, I heard all kinds of, you know, at at some point, I, I remember uh, being involved in a very big risk assessment project at an at and at, at an academic institute and they were like hey you know we don't need to test these applications mm -hmm. because they reside in the secure environment yep, so yep, yep. things of that nature so you know yeah I, I i would say that uh those those misconception of we we have a security leader we're good we have compliance we're good um you know, we, we're spending a lot of money on security, therefore, you know, it, it's money well spent. Um, uh, understanding that the attack surface changes as the company grows and, and changes its products, services, dependencies on technologies, and so on and so forth. Understanding that vendors and technologies that are being utilized change as well, and they might not be as efficient. There might be new players in town that do things better, and that there needs to be change in the tooling. At the same time, um, there needs to be a continuous movement for maturity, right? You, you set the bar, you know, where your customers expect you to be, where your auditors expect you to be, where your, you know, investors expect you to be, and you should always be somewhere above because the, you know, uh, there's no ceiling to that. You can throw money at security and never be 100% secure because that that's just the nature of the game. So you have to find a balance where you need to be above that line with your investments, but at the same time, be able to communicate why those things are happening, why you're asking for additional funds and, you know, use the example of, Hey, you know, target was PCI DSS compliant and they still got hacked and use examples of any, you know, latest and greatest breach, you know, last pass, you know, the last one I can think of um, where, you know, how that is not going to be, uh, how, how other places get act and learning from them and making sure that the risk posture of the company takes effect of whatever the, the target vector of that is. Um, so I would say that 
having a closer relationship with the executive team, with the board, and kind of underlying all the efforts and all the things that are happening outside the world that they might read the you know, headline, but know that somebody has a pulse on it, is able to apply changes within the organization, and that security target is, you know, it's a, being secure is 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 a, is a, a carrot on a stick that you're constantly going to be chasing for, and you're going to be t- constantly dumping money into it. But that's just the nature of the game because it, it evolves faster than anything else uh, out there. Yeah. And I would just add, uh, you know, my personal perspective is that I like to equate it to like to create a security program. And let's face it, it's a security program. It's something that you as an organization need to have to support the business, to keep growing, to uh, to keep making money and and keep closing deals the same way that you keep working on your sales uh, program or sales organization, marketing organization operations. If you don't work on the security operation or the, the security organization, and if you don't mature it and 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 grow it to the extent that you as a business need it to to grow and to for, for it to be able to support the business, you're basically uh, you know you're not investing necessarily the the resources that you need to be investing in order to keep growing and keep growing the business. And I think that's I think. In some of the you know conversation I've had, I think this is one of the misconceptions that I, I keep seeing when you know people talk about security or even compliance. You know, they just feel that hey, you know, we have that person over there and that team over there that does that, and so we should be good. But as you mentioned, vendors keep asking you for more and more things. You know, uh, PIIs out there and. Uh, all kinds of sensitive information and and really you you want to make sure that you're still able to adapt and support the business i think that's the underlying assumption and and uh yeah maybe um and i think these conversations can only can only happen when you have board access or leadership access otherwise you're just you know Right. I, w- I would say that there there needs to be a level of maturity with those the individuals that are in, in power. But at the same time, the security function needs to be loud in terms of what what is happening in the world, what is happening internally in the company, and be a strong advocate of, of, of their team and the focus and highlight the wins, but also the risks that are being taken by the company. And at the same time, you know, step on somebody's foot who's trying to hide away, you know, a crumbling problem behind the scenes and preventing the board or the executive staff understand that there there might be technical debt that, that is the application is being built upon or that there are systematic problems in, in the processes and something needs to do, uh, be done about it and, you know, bypass all of the, the leadership and go directly to the source that, that can influence change in those areas. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for this uh, conversation today, Z. Uh, it's been, f- it was fun. And um, yeah, as I mentioned at the, the beginning, this was a sort of a different type of uh, podcast today. So hopefully it will, uh, it will go well. And um, thank you again for taking the time. I learned a lot and I'm hopeful that our listeners will learn something as well. And uh, any final no- notes? No, uh, thank you for having me again. Really enjoyed this. Uh, and uh, I, I also hope that somebody learned a thing or two. And uh, if you have a different take than what I said, please reach out to me. I would love to hear from you and what you have to say. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Thank you so much. See you next time. Yeah.